Hey there, it's Thursday, February 17th, 2022. Welcome in to the Locked On Tar Heels podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked On Tar Heels your first listen every single day. Don't forget that we are free and available on Apple and Spotify and everywhere else that you get your podcasts. On today's show, I've got several great calendar things for you. That's super exciting, right? No, for real. You're going to love what I've got for you. Some football dates, some basketball dates for next season. It's going to be great. And part of the reason you're going to want to look ahead to next basketball season is, oh boy, things were not good inside the Smith Center on Wednesday night. Carolina's tournament hopes are in serious jeopardy following Carolina's 67-76 loss at the hands of the Pittsburgh Panthers. Oh, there, there have been some losses this season, but this was perhaps the most disheartening because it just comes in a game that Carolina absolutely cannot lose. The biggest feather in their cap so far had been that they have no bad losses. Well, that's done, that's over, that's gone. Carolina now has a quad four loss on their NCAA tournament resume, and that is a blemish that is very, very difficult to overcome, especially this late in the season, especially when you're already 0-7 in quadrant one. Carolina is going to have to almost win every single game down the stretch to keep their NCAA tournament hopes alive. That's going to start on Saturday in Blacksburg, but we will talk more about that on tomorrow's show. So how did we get here? How did Carolina lose this game? I'm going to unpack four of the biggest storylines that I believe contributed to the loss. I'll share with you my shady stat of the game, and we'll continue on from there. The biggest turning point happened very early in the game. The Tar Heels jumped off to a very similar start that they had Saturday against Florida State. They were up 5-0. Pittsburgh turned it over on their first three possessions. And it already had these looks of, hey, we, we just saw this a couple days ago. We might have a beatdown again. But that was not to be the case. Carolina eventually built out to a 12-8 lead, looking like uh, they might do some things. They got a steal at that point, and then Brady Manick committed an offensive foul. From there, Pittsburgh went on a 21-2 run. As part of that, they had a stretch of four straight made three-pointers. They themselves as a team had five. their next five buckets at that point were three-pointers, um, but Carolina had scored in there at one point, and it just, th- that run did in the Tar Heels. They had a furious comeback in the second half, but it was too little, too late, a hole they couldn't dig out of. And so this 21-2 to run just essentially put the game away, and Pittsburgh just kept the Tar Heels at an arm's length throughout the rest of the game. The second biggest storyline for me is that Baycott foul trouble spells trouble for Carolina. Uh, once again, uh, Baycott has done, Armando's done a much better job this season than he did his freshman or sophomore years at staying out of foul trouble, but we've seen it a couple times this year, and this is the second instance where a, a silly 
foul at one point in the game leads to him ultimately taking himself out of the game. He didn't foul out of this one, but committed his fourth foul with just under eight minutes left. And then, uh, if memory serves, didn't even come back into the game. I'd have to check back through the play-by-play. But at that point, Coach Davis elected to go small, and uh, that led to some furious defensive intensity, which is what allowed Carolina to creep back into things down the stretch. Um, But Baycott's third foul came right on the heels of Carolina just going on a 6-0 spurt. They cut the lead down to 13 at that point, which doesn't seem all that great, but it was better than 21. (laughs) Um, But on the ensuing Pittsburgh possession, Carolina had played a great defensive possession, and right as the shot clock got down to one, Baycott committed a foul on a 14% three-point shooter (laughs) who made the shot, banked it in, by the way, and then hit the free throw to build the lead right back out to 17. So all that that little 6-0 run is essentially gone at that point. Pitt has already got four of those back off of essentially luck. And so um, Baycott then a couple minutes later committed that fourth foul, and he was, for all intensive purposes, done for the night. And so um, we see that because of his dominance and capability and lack of other reliable post presences, on this roster, that when when Baycott is out of the mix, there's not much that Carolina can do. So that is the second thing that I believe spelled trouble for Carolina tonight. Uh, a couple of things that were that were good moments that I do want to highlight. One of which is you'll recall a couple of days ago um, we looked back at what Coach Davis had suggested to Caleb Love as he was in his shooting slump. And one of the big things he mentioned was that he wanted Caleb to play more inside out when his shot's not falling uh, because he's trying to work outside in, which as you've watched Love play, he often does. He'll settle for those threes from time to time. Well, on, on Saturday, you'll recall Caleb uh, hit five of five from deep in the first half, wound up, I believe, six for eight overall shooting threes on Saturday. But today was the exact, uh, excuse me, not today, last night, Wednesday night, was the exact opposite of that. Love uh, started 0 for 5 from 3, didn't hit uh, a single shot from there in the first half, was uh, 2 for 9 shooting overall in the first half, and just, just not in it. And for the majority of the second half, didn't even attempt a shot. But then... It's almost as if Caleb remembered what Coach Davis had told him, and he just started attacking, 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 getting to the rim, and wound up in the second half shooting five of five. He was one of one from three and four of five from the free throw line. And so it's almost like that switch flipped, and he remembered, man, I got to get to the rim. And he's dynamic when he's doing that, and Pitt didn't offer much resistance. And that was a big part of what allowed Carolina to very much uh, give themselves just a, a, a prayer down the stretch. Uh, got the game to within six, largely on the back of his scoring. He had 13 straight points for the Tar Heels, 15 of their final 19, and had an assist on one of those uh two buckets that weren't his own down the stretch. And so really just dominated the game when he started playing from the inside out. If we can get Caleb Love doing that consistently all game long, things will be much better. The final thing I want to highlight, one of the biggest storylines, this was actually the biggest point of encouragement to me in the game. And I'm just going to call it Kerwin Walton's 92 seconds. 
from the 840 mark of the second half, at that moment, Carolina was down 21 points. And from the 840 mark for the next 92 seconds, it was Kerwin Walton's world and we were just living in it. He got a steal, came down, hit a contested, difficult mid-range jumper. After a pit turnover, came down and hit a three and then got a steal on the other end. And then five seconds after that, hit another three. In 92 seconds, Kerwin Walton racked up two steals and eight points and cut Carolina's uh, deficit from a game-high 21 down to 13. And that was what jump-started the run that eventually got Carolina to within six points. And so that's the kind of thing, like, that is the biggest encouragement to me from the game because it's... Uh, when you're missing Dawson Garcia, you know he's gone. you got to do things like that. And so Kerwin Walton, love to see that confidence that he was playing with and would love to see more of that going forward. Well, let me give you my shady stat of the game, and then we will continue on. And this dichotomy perfectly sums up the strange 2021-22 college basketball season that it's been for Carolina. On Saturday against FSU, The Tar Heels had the third-largest halftime lead in Smith Center history. On Wednesday night against Pitt, they had the third-largest halftime deficit in Smith Center history. That just doesn't make sense. How can the same team do those two things within a couple days of each other? Who knows, but that is the 21-22 Tar Heels, and that's the world we're living in. So the team does have a couple days to regroup before they head to Blacksburg. We'll see what happens Saturday on the road at Castle Coliseum. Well, as I said just a little bit ago, get out your calendars, get out a Sharpie because I've got some dates that you're not going to want to miss. And while you find your calendar and your Sharpie, let me tell you about Bet Online. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is full go. The NBA All-Star Game is coming up this weekend, and Selection Sunday is just a few weeks away, less than a month now. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, as well as all the latest Olympic coverage. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Tar Heels your first listen every day. And starting next week, I want to remind you that Locked On Tar Heels can also be your first watch every day. Starting on Monday, you'll be able to catch the show on traditional podcast formats just like this, or you can tune in on YouTube. Can't wait to see you there. Would love to hang out in that format as well. Well, man, I cannot believe it's already getting to this point of the year, but the post-Sam Howell era will begin in earnest in just a few short weeks for the Carolina football team. Carolina's going to begin spring football practice. You ready? Drum roll. On Tuesday, March 1st. 
That is coming. It's just a couple weeks away. We'll get to hear from Coach Mac Brown that afternoon, but also this coming Tuesday, March 1st. Coach Brown is going to preview spring practice, and so you can be on the lookout for video, for quotes from that press conference. And then, obviously, I'm going to break it all down here for you. We're going to talk about it right here on the pod. Some other spring football dates I want to share with you uh, to put in your calendar to be aware of. Carolina's Pro Day will be Monday, March 28th at practice that day. And then the culmination, the moment that we'll all be waiting for, the spring game is going to take place 3 o'clock, April 9th. Get ready for that. Get it on your calendars. We're probably going to get to see uh, a Chris Well versus May matchup on the two teams. Uh, really get to learn more, hopefully, about these two quarterbacks and who's going to be the man under center taking the snaps when the fall comes. We're going to talk a lot about that over the coming months. I'm sure that is going to be the biggest question all around Carolina football. Well, Sure. Okay, Isaac, that's great. Thanks. I've got these dates on my calendar. Let's move on to the next thing. But but hang on with me, if you will, for just a second, because there's a couple more things I want to say about this spring football session. For my money's worth, this is going to be the most important spring football of Mac Brown 2.0. Yeah, that's right. Not, not the first season, not heading into last season with all the big expectations. This offseason, this spring 2022 football is the most important spring practice of Mac Brown 2.0. Why is that? Well, first off, it is a wholesale turnover in, in the main faces of the offense and the defense. For three years now, Sam Howell has been the guy on offense. When you think Carolina football right now, you picture Sam Howell's face. And then on the defensive side of the ball, for for the last year or two, it had been Chaz Surratt. And then last year, Jer- Jeremiah Gemmelt, man, the heart and soul of that defense. When you think the Tar Heel defense of 2021, you think of that man bringing everyone together. But as we all well know, he's now gone too. And so Carolina is looking to replace who who is our guy on offense? Who is our guy on defense? Those identities both have to establish, and that's going to begin at spring practice, both for the team, for the coaches, for Carolina fans looking to see, man, who who do I look to to know how the offense is doing? Who do I look to to know where the defense is at and what's going on? Those two new people on both sides of the ball have to now be established. And then the other reason that this year is the most important spring practice is because of the disappointing year that Carolina is coming off of, all the, all the young talent and now established talent that they have, there's going to be a lot of expectation is, okay, listen, we, we understand last year was a bit of a tough year, but we had seen what happened the season before that. We've got these heightened expectations, and now we've got to move from that middle tier of the ACC to the upper echelon of the ACC, or maybe even the upper echelon of the entire NCAA. That is what's trying to happen. But when you're coming off a disappointing year, when you've got all this talent, and you're trying to figure out who is going to be our new quarterback, that's a lot. And so it's time for Coach Brown. We've got a new defensive defensive scheme. Coach Chiswick's back. It's time to make the leap to the consistency where Carolina ought to be at or near the top of the ACC. And so when you factor all of those variables in, trying to find new identity, in terms of player leadership, 
new identity in terms of a quarterback, in terms of defensive scheme, in terms of all the talent you've been entrusted with, in terms of coming off a year that had all sorts of lofty expectations. There's going to be a lot to prove this spring, and I know that Coach Brown and company are ready to show America what's going on there. And so buckle up, Tar Heel fans. It is going to be a fun ride. Well, uh, don't put that Sharpie away. Don't put that calendar away just yet. Because while we might be in the home stretch of this college basketball season, I've got some dates for you to circle for next college basketball season. That's right. Not just football calendar we're looking at, but the 2022-23 Carolina men's basketball team and also some news about the 20 uh, about next season's women's basketball team as well. And so let's talk about that here in just a moment. Well, you might remember a couple years ago, it was actually several seasons ago now, in the 2017-18 basketball season, Carolina traveled up to Portland, Oregon to play in the PK-80, games put on by Nike in honor of their co-founder, Phil Knight, on his 80th birthday. And so 16 different uh, men's basketball teams, all associated with the Nike brand, went up to Portland and played in two separate brackets, three games each, to go on through that, uh, to play in that tournament. You might recall Carolina beat Portland, uh, pretty easy game there, and then they went on to beat Arkansas before falling to Michigan State in the championship game. So that was back in 2017, the PK. 80. Well, here we are. It's going to be the fall of 2022, and now the Nike is rolling out in coordination with ESPN, the PK85, in honor of Phil Knight's 85th birthday. And so, once again, there, there was a smaller iteration of this in 2019, but this is just the second time uh, that there's been this big event. And so this time, it will once again be 16 men's teams, but also for the first time, there will be eight women's teams. Once again, it's going to be divided up into two completely separate brackets. We will have the PKI, which is the Phil Knight Invitational, and the PKL, which is the Phil Knight Legacy. It's going to be held same place in Portland, Oregon. There's three different venues up there, including the Moda Center, where the Trailblazers play. It's going to be during Feast Week, during Thanksgiving, November 24th through 27th. So here's the schedule. Here's how it's going to go. Let me lay it out for you. In uh, Carolina's bracket, in that 18 bracket, it'll be North Carolina, joined by Alabama, Iowa State, Michigan State, Oregon, Portland, Yukon, and Villanova. That is a deep, deep bracket. Holy cow. Holy smokes. We'll unpack that a little more in just a minute. But between those eight teams, 43 Final Four appearances, 16 national championships. That is crazy. And so what's going to happen for the bracket play is the teams will play a game on November 24th and 25th, day off on the 26th, and then the final games, including the championship game, will be on the 27th. On the women's side of things, it's going to be four of those same schools' programs, and so uh, the Carolina women will be joined by Iowa State, Michigan State, and Oregon, and so they will just play two games since it's four teams, and that'll take place on November 24th and 27th. Just in case you're interested, the teams in the Phil Knight Legacy bracket on the other side uh, is Duke, Florida, Gonzaga, Oregon State, Portland, uh, excuse me, Portland State, Purdue, West Virginia, 
and Xavier. And the women's teams participating in that side of the uh, tourney are Duke, Iowa, Oregon State, and Yukon, and so um, that is what is going to happen there. Great, great, uh, great event. Great teams. It should be really good basketball. Great exposure and experience for North Carolina. So you might be asking yourself, okay, what? Just like with spring football dates, that's great. But beyond the dates, why are we talking about this? Why does it matter right now? Well, here's why. Well, first off, these dates all just came out this week. All of this is being released. And so I want to get it to you as soon as I can in real time so that you can start preparing and being excited for these things. And so the first reason to talk about it is just simply the informational nature of it. But two, on, on a bigger level, here's why I want to talk about it. Because I think this is a huge, huge, important and big time opportunity for Coach Hubert Davis on a national stage near the beginning of year two of his head coaching tenure. We, we s- have seen how this year, you know, been a lot of ups and downs and that's the nature of a new coach, a lot of new pieces on a team, trying to figure it all out, trying to figure what we're doing. But uh, in Carolina's MTE is what the NCAA calls their multi-team events that take place usually in November. Uh, This year, Carolina played Purdue and they played Tennessee in the Hall of Fame tip-off tournament up in Uncasville, Connecticut. And we know the Tar Heels played Purdue pretty well, but ultimately still lost by nine points. Although, keep in mind, Leakey, uh, remember, Leakey Black did not play in that game, and so... That is certainly a factor. But then in the second game, Carolina got blitzed by Tennessee. It was frankly a national embarrassment, uh, or or not a national embarrassment. It was an embarrassment on a national stage for a Tar Heel team that thought they had a lot of good pieces, but just found out that, that they weren't ready. They couldn't compete at that level yet. And so what happened? Well, from there, from those two losses, Carolina was essentially off the national radar. They just weren't, um, people weren't paying attention on the national level to what was happening other than a few other opportunities like playing Kentucky. And uh, that didn't, that went frankly even worse than the Tennessee game. Uh, And then Duke a couple weeks ago on the national stage, but that didn't go well either. So Carolina has not shown well in those national appearances. So then that means that yes, Carolina is going to have some opportunities at the end of this season. But this PK-85 is going to be a huge opportunity at the beginning of next season. Because when you think about the seven other teams in that bracket, obviously Portland is not uh, the caliber of the other teams. It's kind of like when you go to Maui and uh, you play Chaminade, right? They're just in, in the bracket as one of the local teams. But let me remind you of the other six teams in that bracket. Alabama, Iowa State, Michigan State, Oregon, Yukon, and Villanova. That is a big-time, tough gauntlet. And no, no matter who, unless you get Portland again, as Carolina did last time this tournament took place, but you're going to play three of those seven teams. So even if you do get Portland, you're going to play two very tough games. And if you don't get Portland, you've got three really, really difficult games. But rather than look at that and bemoan it, What an opportunity it is for Carolina to make a statement on a national stage that that's where the college basketball eyes of the world will be watching. And so let's go up to Portland and and blow things up and say, hey, Carolina basketball is here and we're ready to make some noise. And boy, 
would that give Carolina Nation something to be thankful for on Thanksgiving week? I think so. Absolutely, it would. So, uh, some great calendar news we've got going on. Spring practice just right around the corner in the next couple weeks. And then we've got some exciting things to look forward to to next college basketball season. But this college basketball season is not over. It's not dead and gone. Let's not write the obituary yet. But Carolina has dug an even deeper hole, and now they got to dig out of it. That's going to start, again, like I've said, Saturday in Blacksburg at Virginia Tech. So that is it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Please, as always, I would love it. I would be honored if you would go subscribe to the show on wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Uh, Leave a review. Say what you're enjoying, what what you're not enjoying, so we can keep learning how to have better and more engaging conversations together. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. Follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade. That's one S, two A's in Isaac, and there's a C in Shade between the S and the H. You can send us an email to the show email address, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Would love to have more conversation with you about what's going on in the world of the Tar Heels. Would love to hear stories, again, uh, from our new segment, Where Do You Go? As we honor Woody Durham. That would be great. Send those in. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, please, please, please do tell a friend. Well, coming up tomorrow, Friday, the final show of this week, we will preview that mega important game at Virginia Tech for Saturday. We're going to talk about these 48-hour turnarounds in basketball that Carolina is about to do at Virginia Tech and then play in Louisville back at home on Monday. Carolina's got those on back-to-back weekends, so we're going to unpack that. And then we're going to look ahead to this weekend. None other than Mr. Cole Anthony is participating in the NBA All-Star Weekend Dunk Contest. And so we're going to just have a little bit of fun with that. Thanks so much for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every day. And now, let me encourage you to make Locked on Bets your second listen. It's your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Thanks so much for spending part of your day talking Carolina with me. And remember, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow... Peace!